Welcome to Coffee Up by Market Lane Coffee, a podcast for our growing community of like-minded businesses who want to serve delicious, ethical, and sustainable coffee. My name's Tyson. Do you want to open your own coffee shop? Is 2023 the year that you start to make some moves towards entrepreneurship? Since opening our first shop in Melbourne's historic Paran Market in 2009, Fleur, Jason and Jenny have gone on to open a total of nine coffee shops throughout Melbourne, gaining a wealth of experience and learning a lot from each new shop. As we roll into the new year, we wanted to take this opportunity to share some insightful conversations from our internal staff podcast, where Jason catches up with Einar, our manager of training and education, to talk about some of the important things to consider when opening a new coffee shop. In this podcast, the first of three in this series, Jason and Einar discuss the importance of establishing a purpose for your coffee shop, what to consider when choosing a location, why witty puns aren't always the best choice when naming your business, and why it's important to establish a realistic budget early. Without further ado, here are Jason and Einar. I know a lot of our staffs are interested in or maybe dreaming about opening up their own coffee shop one day. And a lot of uh, former staff have gone ahead and, and done it really well. I was hoping we could pretend that we are opening up a coffee shop and use your expertise and talk about what to look out for and what to invest in. So the first is the purpose of the shop. We kind of need um, need a reason for being. I mean, that's a great point because a lot of people start out opening a coffee shop because they've worked in coffee shops or because they know how to do it. Even for myself, the reason that I wanted to start a business was not because people in South Yarra needed another cafe. Like I did not think of that really. You know, I did, I did think that I, I had, you know, Fleur and I, that we had a unique approach to retailing coffee and a unique approach to presenting coffee that wasn't in the market at the time. So in that sense, there was a, a purpose behind it or a reason for doing it. And I think it gives you more motivation to, to keep doing what you're doing, knowing there's a, a good reason for doing it. So if you can, before you start, think about a good reason for why you're doing it. It, it can be that um, you have a unique idea of how you think coffee should be made and you want to give it a go and show people that it's possible. It could be that you know you're very familiar with a specific neighborhood or a specific market that isn't serviced by a coffee shop or a restaurant or whatever it is that you're passionate about, and your new location could fill that need. Or it could just be as simple as you know making more money. So you're working as a barista and you um, see owning your own cafe as a way to make more money than you would just being a barista. You know, everyone will have their own reason for doing it, but I think knowing what yours is and being really clear about it and honest with yourself about it will make it easier and keep you motivated. So we decided we want to open up a coffee shop for whatever reason. The next thing would be the location. The shop has to exist somewhere. What are the things that you would look for when choosing where to start up your shop? Right. Well, the location could be tied into the purpose as well. So it may be that you're not flexible with the location and you, you really are tied to one area. And in that case, it, it makes it difficult to sort of branch out. But things that I would consider for a location is, is it going to be a destination spot? You know, are you looking at opening a place where people will go to specifically, will go out of their way to go to, um, rather than to go past or to drop by where they're going to another place. For example, if you think about Attica and Ripponlea, now when a lot of people hear Ripponlea, they think of Attica, not the other way around. Attica there has really established the 
area to a lot of people or you know highlighted that area another example would be loon in elwood it was down a pretty quiet street when it first opened there in 2014 ish and again it was a place where people would head out to specifically to go to loon um i think wildlife in brunswick east is um sort of a destination like it's probably half half i think they get a lot of people who head specifically there because they're the only bakery sort of north of the city that's uh worth traveling to um but there are also a number of people who work in the area residents people who like to go to the park and things like that too so they're probably a combination and then there's other locations that are just busy thoroughfares and i think these are the ones that can be a little bit tricky or these are the ones that can be a little bit misleading and real estate agents love touting how much foot traffic there is going past a place. But I think it can be, yeah, a little bit misleading if you see hundreds and hundreds of people walking past your business that might not necessarily want to go in. Um, I think Collins Street, our shop at the top of Collins, is a good example of this. We're perfectly busy there. But when we first looked at it and looked at the foot traffic counters, there's an astounding number of people walking past every hour. I think we were wrong to look at that and to interpret that as you know, a reinforcing idea of why we were needed in that location. The other thing I would look at is um, competition. And again, it's it's not always something that will make or break a location. It depends on what you're offering. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's important to understand the type of competition you have in the area and the caliber of it. And especially with coffee in Melbourne now, where we really are in a saturated market. And if you're putting a coffee shop close to a, another coffee shop, you're going to either make their life very difficult or your life is going to be difficult as well. So have, have a really good think about the proximity of any competition in your area and what that's going to do to their business and potentially yours. Another nice way to think about competition is to think about it more like a symbiosis or like two businesses that can work together. And using one of our shops as an example, I think Faraday Street's a great example of this with Baker D. Um, a lot of people will go to Baker D to pick up bread and they'll get a coffee on the way. But equally, we'll have a lot of people coming to Market Lane and who will pop into Baker D to get a, you know, a little bomboloni or something to complement their coffee. So the two, the two businesses there work really well together. And the other thing about the location of a spot is to have a think about the local community and and for Florian and myself we've only ever opened cafes in communities or neighborhoods that we're really familiar with and that we have sort of I guess an established relationship with so Carlton for example I used to spend a lot of time in Carlton when I went to university I'm really familiar with a lot of the cafes and a lot of the food places in the area the um, some of the clothing stores some of the delis so we're really really closely familiar with Carlton in that neighborhood. When the spot came up, we, we knew that that exact spot on Faraday Street was a great spot to be in. A different part of Faraday Street, you know, closer to the university, which might be a bit more difficult or, you know, even further down towards uh, Rathdown Street, which again could be a bit more difficult, but just enough distance off Ligon Street where we're close, but we're not too close. Um, that sort of familiarity with that neighborhood allowed us to make a really good choice in the specific location. And if we were trying to pick a spot in Sydney, for example, we just wouldn't have the same acuteness or the same result, I think. That goes back to the location. Um, but I think the community aspect as well plays a really big part in the success of a, of a business. Knowing the local community, knowing a few people who work and live in the area and being, you know, having supported them in the past and, you know, makes it much more likely that they will support you um, in the future as well. So we found a location for the shop and the next is um, we need a name. What would you think about when you decide to find a name for your shop? 
Well, unfortunately, we weren't all that original with Market Lane, so we we decided to name it after the laneway next door to Pran Market, which happened to be called Market Lane. So it's not very original, unfortunately, but I think it does show that you can choose something that's reasonably generic and still get away with it if it's relevant, calling the business after the place where it is. That said, it does have its pitfalls because market is a very generic word and lane's obviously not unique either. Um, so it, it has been difficult with things like trademarks and other bits and bobs, like trademarking Market Lane Coffee itself was relatively straightforward, but it's difficult to trademark Market Lane or other aspects of that. So when choosing a name, I would try and keep it really simple, um, something that's easy for people to say. Um, that makes it easy for people to remember. I would try and avoid puns unless they're very, very good puns. And also having a name that explains what you do is very, very useful. So shortstop coffee and donuts, for example, is so clear and so obvious as to what you're going to get. It's a, a really great name. It's a quick stop for coffee and donuts. And that's exactly what Anthony intended. So it's a good name. Our shop has a location. It has a, a name. Uh, we have to start building the shop. So I was wondering if you could talk about the budget and what to keep in mind when figuring out the costs. Yeah, the budget's very hard. So you you probably also want to establish whether you have enough of a budget to go down the steps of opening a cafe initially. Um, but once you've decided you do you have enough money, then taking the other steps and, and looking at exactly what you want to spend um, is probably the the next natural progression. Um, for the budget, I would include um, things like the total fit out cost, expenses for purchasing any upfront goods that you want to sell. And then I would include some operating capital. So, you know, presumably there will be a number of months and in some cases a year or more where you're not making any money or you're bringing money in, but you're also spending all the money that's coming in on, on more stock or wages or whatever it is. So there's going to have to be some money put aside to pay yourself and to, to live off while the business is not making any money. The biggest, uh, one of the very big costs is the fit out expense or the equipment of the cafe or the restaurant that you're building. And it can really range uh, depending on how you do it. So for example, with our um, Faraday Street store, we did quite a bit of the work ourselves and we just chose some really sort of key bits of furniture or cabinetry to put in there and focused our money and time and effort on that. So I think for Faraday Street, quite quite a number of years ago, of course, um, we spent around $50,000 on the fit out. Nowadays, you know, for another small space that's fit out really well, it would cost more like $150,000. So quite quite a bit more because all, all the costs associated with building have, have gone up. You know, whatever amount of money that you have to spend on the fit out, I would always be careful not to spend too much because any money that you spend now is money that you're going to have to make back a few times over to get the profit, um, basically to pay back any any loans that you have or any any debt that you have. Where are the places where you would uh, save money and what's worth investing in? So obviously we would need some uh, coffee making equipment in our, in our shop, mm -hmm. the grinders, espresso machine. Well, I think you can save money on places that have already been fit out as something similar in the past. So for example, choosing a, a shell that has a nice finished floor and walls that you can work with or just paint so you don't have to redo the floor and the ceiling and the walls um, and then fit it out for your own purposes. So trying to find something that you can work with um, that's there already um, can save a lot of money. Doing things yourself will also save a lot of money. Uh, of, of course, not you know, not everyone can build. JP from Altius is um, a great example of you know taking taking things on himself, and he's actually gone on and 
done a um, he's doing a building course at the moment and uh, he, he did a lot of the fit out of um, Altius number one and also Altius out in Bendigo um, really taking it on just to cut down on the the cost of you know basically paying another trade to do it and then there are areas where you just cannot avoid spending money you have to get an electrician to do your wiring you have to get plumber to do the plumbing um, but maybe you have a friend or someone you know you grew up with who is now a plumber or an electrician or a builder who can help out I think asking friends and asking family for contacts and and help is a great way to start if it's your first location as well, I would consider whether you really need the the newest model of espresso machine or whether you really need, you know, a juggler milk dispenser or whether you really need to have three grinders instead of just one or two. I think it can be easy for us to obsess over that stuff and, and think about really needing the latest and, and newest equipment when, I mean, actually a lot of equipment will make coffee just fine um, for customers and, and a really a much bigger part of the the service and a bigger part of the reason that people will come to you is for the customer service. You know, whether you're interested in people, remember their names, you make a really nice environment for them to come in. And if you make a good coffee. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. We'll be releasing parts two and three in this series in the coming weeks. So if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. In part two, Jason and I will talk about some important things to consider when negotiating your lease and provide some tips on navigating local council regulations. Market Lane Coffee respectfully acknowledges the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung peoples of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we live and work. We pay respect to their elders and to the history, legacy and contemporary cultures of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. 